0: Don't get too excited and give me too much applause. I might stay here too long. (laughs) No. You guys are from uh, Kitsap? Good. Good. Glad you're here. Any other people from Kitsap here? (laughs) So, yikes, there are. Good. Good. Well, yeah, um, thank you, Michael. Uh, By the way, you guys scrub up pretty good. You really do. I've been here at other times and it wasn't formal. And let's just say it wasn't formal. Okay? Uh, so uh, you look very nice tonight. And the room with all the candles and the decorations and the l- wonderful meal. So, how many of you guys are doing really, really well right now, huh? Doing really well? Well, my first goal is not to ruin that. That's my first goal. Uh, yeah, I, I'm delighted. I've gotten to know Michael a little bit over the last uh, couple years here. Um, actually about a year, so we've interacted a little bit and such, but I've known Tim and Karen for a long time, uh, longer than they would care to admit I've known them a long time. And uh, so I'm real grateful for uh, the whole Thrive ministry uh, here in Gig Harbor and Kitsap, other places as well, and the influence that you guys have. Um, I just love it that there is this wonderful let's work together let's influence young people, uh, let's give them something that they will be able to walk in for literally the rest of their lives, you know. Um, I get to speak in a variety of places, and, and when I speak in some congregations, it looks like the average age is 68 and a half, right? And here's what I think, okay? Maybe I, shouldn't, I should never acknowledge this, but here's what I think. Dennis, whatever you say isn't going to last very long, <laughs> you know these guys are out of here soon, and and you know. But when I speak to you guys, I think, hey, there's some prospect here. You know, some of you guys might live longer than another the next three to five years. That's my guess. You know, and so uh, so my hope tonight is that uh, is that you will. Uh, I'm going to share a word with you. A very famous Christmas word. And I hope that you literally, for every other Christmas you ever experience, you will think differently about this word. That's my hope. Uh, <clears throat> if I were to give a, me- a title to this message, I would call it More Than Emmanuel, More Than than Emmanuel. So, or better than Emmanuel. Better than Emmanuel. So, what's the word Emmanuel mean? Bible scholars, speak up, please. God is with us. <clears throat> Isaiah 7:14. I'm I'm guessing that most of you did not bring a Bible tonight. Okay because it's Christmas formal stuff. But if you've got it on your phone, if you want to check it out, uh, if you don't believe me, then look it up. Isaiah 7.14 says, Behold, a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll call his name, what? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. And that's a fairly famous Christmas verse. But I'll bet you've never heard these next two verses in relationship to Christmas, but it's it's part of that in that context of Isaiah, Isaiah 8.8, and and God is talking about the judgment that's going to come and sweep across Israel. It says, it, the judgment, will sweep on into Judah. It will overflow and pass on, reaching even to the, the neck, a particular part of the country there. And it's, outspread wings will fill the breadth of your land, O Emmanuel. A couple of verses later it says, take counsel, but it will come to nothing. You, you can take counsel and figure out how this judgment, how to stop this judgment, it ain't gonna happen. The judgment's judgment's gonna come. You speak a word, but it will not stand, for God is with us. For Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. It's a wonderful idea. It really started in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. By the way, do you you know what what Adam said on the first, the day before the first Christmas? It's Christmas, Eve. I, and it just sort of stuck. So every, so it's ever since then, it's been Christmas Eve. You know, uh, we're going to, uh, 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 we, we, we attend a couple churches in Vancouver, uh, Camas area actually, and, and one of them is a fairly large church. And so they have three Christmas Eve services, and then they also have a Christmas Eve service on the 23rd. So I've told them they should not call that Christmas Eve. They should call that Christmas Adam. Because Adam comes before Eve. So, I don't know why. They haven't accepted my advice. But but in Genesis chapter 3, God expresses this desire to be with us. God with us. He first expresses this Emmanuel desire. We see it in Genesis chapter 3 right after Adam and Eve sinned. God comes down and he's ready to go on his evening walk with them because he wanted to be with them. And they were out hiding because of the, of the sin. But we see this desire on the part of the Father to be with us. Time passes. We're in Exodus chapter 25 now. So the children of Israel have come out of Egypt. They've gone down to Mount Sinai. The Ten Commandments have been given. And God starts instructing them on what to do. And he says in Exodus 25, verse 8, Build me, to Moses, build me a, what, you know? Build me a sanctuary so that I can come and dwell with them. God wanted, he was not satisfied simply to stay in heaven as a distant God. When he created us, when he called the children of Israel into existence, he wanted to dwell in their midst. He wanted to be with them. That's repeated in Exodus 29 other places where God says, I called you out of Egypt so that I could be with you. I want to Emmanuel. I want to be God with you. Years pass, King Saul comes, King David comes, and David wants to build a temple. So Moses built a tabernacle and the sanctuary in the tabernacle so God could come and Emmanuel. Solomon then, David, saw, David wanted to build the temple. God said, no, 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 your son's gonna do that. So Solomon built the temple and in the process of the dedication of the temple, this is what it says in 1 Kings. <clears throat> then I will establish my word with you, which I've spoken through David your father, and i will dwell among the children of israel and will not forsake my people the temple by the way i was just uh, a month ago i was in jerusalem again and i was able to be upon the temple mount and just to consider the size and the scope of that wonderful temple is pretty fun and the reason why Saul built that temple was so that God would be able to have a place where he could come, have his name be remembered there, and be a place where he would be able to, Emmanuel, be, dwell with them. Time passes now. We're in the prophets, Old Testament prophet period, and Ezekiel. You should be very careful about anybody who brings devotional thoughts from the book of Ezekiel. (laughs) Actually, Ezekiel is a wonderful, wonderful book. Ezekiel had the task of proclaiming a judgment that was going to come. And he had the privilege of proclaiming the blessing that was going to come. And the blessing that was going to come hubbed around the rebuilding of the temple. So this is what it says in Ezekiel you remember Ezekiel 37? Dem bones, dem bones, them dry bones, the, the bones of the valley of the dry bones. You want to sing that with me? No, 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 you don't either. Okay <laughs> the, that that chapter, Ezekiel 37, includes these these words, this thought. It says, I'm gonna make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant. And it goes on, and then it says, my dwelling place. So this is not talking about the existing temple that was there, because that temple had been had been um, sign- had been done away with at that point, been captured and torn apart. And then it says, "My dwelling place shall be with them." So the new temple that Ezekiel looked forward to, that temple, the reason for that temple was so that Emmanuel could be Emmanuel, that God could come and live. With his people. So what in the world could be better than Emmanuel? What could be more than God being with us? Then we come into the New Testament. John chapter 1, verse 14. Is there more dessert out there? Is there more dessert out there? Okay, good, good. If you can stand and quote for me, for memory, John 1:14 you get to go have more dessert. Okay? Come on, come on. Who who, who can do this? Who can who can who can stand and Michael doesn't count. Cedarland doesn't count. The word became flesh. God came and became and became human human flesh. The word became flesh and, here's the word, and tabernacled and dwelt among it, it means far more than just pulled up and spent a night in a hotel. It meant he came and he lived among us. He tabernacled with us. He, we, he was with us in, in our journey, full of grace and truth. So the reason for Christmas is to express this God desire to be with us. And then in a real sense, the whole culmination of Scripture is Revelation chapter 21. I want to read these verses here, just the first three verses. Now now picture, picture John the Apostle, Jesus' best friend, skipped rocks with him on the Sea of Galilee, on the cross, he said, hey, John, take care of mom. And he did. He took care of Mary for years and years. They couldn't kill this guy. Throw him in a vat of oil. That'll do it. Boil that oil. That'll do it. Kill that guy. It didn't work. So they said, I know what we'll do. We'll put him on that rock out there. Put him on Patmos out there and let him die. So he's on Patmos. and He has this wonderful revelation of Jesus Christ. And the culmination... Of that revelation is this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the, the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. Then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. Can you see John's eyes as big as saucers as he's seeing them? Whoa! Coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride adorned for her her husband. And I heard a loud voice. Oh, how how else would it be a loud voice? I mean, you know, it can't be. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, no, no, no. And I heard a loud voice from the throne. And this is what that loud voice said. Now think, go back to Genesis with me and think of this desire of God to be with his people. This is what the loud voice said. Look at that! Or behold, look at there! The dwelling place of God is with man. It's finally happened. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them. Them as their God. No, 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 don't 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 clap, don't clap. I want you to make the verbal sound of this. Woohoo! Yes! John saw it. It happened. This cult, this desire of the Father, this desire of the God of heaven to be with man, he sees it. Emmanuel. So, what could be better than Emmanuel? What could be better than God with us? I really do mean it that I hope that over the next few minutes, your understanding of Emmanuel will never be the same as it's been in the past. That's my hope. What's better than Emmanuel? What's better than God with us? You see, God with us is essentially—it's—I'm it's, uh, not, I'm not going to say anything derogatory about that—but it's essentially an Old Testament perspective. What could be better than God with us, saints? Listen. God in us, God in us is better than God with us. What? Who said that? Who said that? What did you say? What did you say? What did they say? Come on. Did someone someone say amen? I thought I heard an amen. Don't get too excited with me, folks. Take it easy. Take it easy. But God in you is better than God with you. God in us is far better than God with us. God with us is essentially Old Testament and the Gospels. God in us is the message of Acts and the epistles. Amen. I knew somebody had to say it. Somebody had to say it, so I just thought I'd do it myself. (laughs) The truth of God with us is stunning. The truth of God in us is inexplicable. I hope that every time you hear a song, a scripture reading, a Christmas card, a greeting that has the word Emmanuel in it, I hope you say yes, absolutely. Amen. And there's more. And there's something better than simply God with us. And that's God in us. Think with me about some significance of God in us. Michael mentioned about my heart for Unity within the body of Christ. I, uh, I'm giving my life to that message. That's that's what I live and breathe for. By the way, <laughs> I drove up from Vancouver today. I met at ten at thirty. I met with a, a, prayer pastor, a newly established prayer pastor of a significant church, in uh, in Vancouver. And we established a wonderful relationship that's going to result in more and more of the unity of the body of Christ. I'm delighted at that. So, I thought you'd want to know that. <clears throat> uh, so, I'm going, to read, I'm going to read from John chapter 17. John 17 is this prayer that Jesus prays just before he, hours before he goes to the cross. Hours before he is, maybe even minutes before he's arrested... And part of his prayer, he prays for himself. He prays for his disciples. He says, Father, glorify your son. First request. Second request. Father, protect the saints. Verse 17, Father, sanctify the saints. Scrub them up. And then verse 20, he starts praying for you. And you and you. He prays for us. He specifically says, I'm I know I'm not asking for those only, the disciples, but now I'm praying for all those who will believe in me through their word. How many of you in the room are believing in Jesus because of the word of the apostles? Okay. All of us are. If you're believing in Jesus, it's because of their word. Okay? So he's praying for us, and here's what he prays he says, Father. I pray that they would be one, even as you and I are one. Verse 23 says this, I, not with, I in them, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them even as you love me. If you want a little formula, here's a little formula for John seventeen twenty three. <clears throat> Unity, excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the, we need to make up a word for, like Emmanuel, for God in us. I haven't come up with a word that fits that yet. In Annuel, I don't know. But somehow, we need, we need a, we, I don't have one word. But God in me, God in me, and God in you, that means that we are connected in unity. We are. That's the truth. We are connected. We may not act like we're in unity, but we are connected in unity. That's the truth. So recognizing that God is in me, and as I recognize that God is in you, that means that we can have unity that leads to, Leads to. there's so that's in that verse, I pray that we'd be one so that the world will know that you love them even as you love me. Unity leads to love, which leads to the most effective evangelism that there is. The biblical form of evangelism starts with recognizing our unity because we are We both are in Christ, and Christ is in us. Best process of evangelism. So unity leads to love, which leads to evangelism. When we are not convinced, when we forget that we are God containers, when we forget that God is in us, and in other believers then we start to think that we don't need them then we start to think that they're not as good as us because they don't do this or believe that we start we forget when we forget that we get off track but when we remember that god is in them the same god that's in them is in me the same god that is in me is in them then we have a basis for genuine Biblical unity. So unity leads to love, which is evangelism, which leads to evangelism. That's one of the tremendous outcomes of God in us. <clears throat> First Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 316. It's a wonderful study, by the way, to go through the three sixteens of Scripture. Let's just do that right now, shall we? No, we won't. <laughs> but it's a wonderful study Sometime to do that. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, uh, I, I want to get it right here. Yeah. Don't you know? Don't you know that you're the temple of the living God? Don't you? Did you forget that God lives in you? And that God's spirit dwells in you? Anybody who destroys God's temple is in trouble. God will destroy him. For God's temple is Holy. Another ramification of God being in me is I am holy. Turn to someone and say, you are holy. <clears throat> now answer them back and say, thank you very much. <clears throat> but, then, but then you need to add... What do you mean, holy? What, what's that mean? <clears throat> well, there's a variety of ways to describing it. Just, uh, being set apart, et cetera, a variety of things. Here's, here's what I mean when I say holy, all right? Here's what I mean when I say that because God is in me, I am holy, therefore I get to act like I'm holy. I think the best one-word description of holiness is Distinction. Distinction. This chair is distinct at this table. Right? Okay. I feel like uh, Sesame Street. One of these things is not like the other. (laughs) Okay. Those chairs have something in common. The opposite of holiness is not bad. The opposite of holiness is common, just ordinary. Those chairs, sorry, folks, it's just an illustration. Okay? Don't get angry with me. Don't splash water or juice on me or anything. Okay? So <clears throat> those chairs are just ordinary chairs. This chair is special. This chair is unique. This chair is distinct. When God is in you and you know God is in you, you get to live a distinct life. You don't have to live like you used to live. Somebody should shout at this point because I know how some of you used to live. <laughs> you don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to live like those who don't claim to know God. You get to live a life the way you were designed to live the way the creator intended you to live. You get to live a holy life, a distinct life, a life uncommon, extraordinary, not ordinary, but extraordinary, that comes from the reality of God in us. Colossians chapter one, verse 28, Says excuse me, 27, uh, says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what's the ramification of, being, of knowing that it's more than Emmanuel? This Christmas story is more than just God with us? First of all, it's unity that leads to love, that leads to evangelism. Secondly, it's this, the reality of knowing that I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I get to live a holy, distinct life. The third ramification is I have hope. I am not hopeless. You are not hopeless. Yes, sometimes I feel hopeless, sometimes I look hopeless, sometimes I act hopeless, but I'm not hopeless. I have Christ in me, the hope of glory, the hope of life that designed the way it was supposed to be. That's good news. That's good news. We can expand on, expand on several other, uh, uh, others of these as well. I want to conclude with this one. What's the significance? What difference does it make that it's more than Emmanuel? This Christmas story is more than Emmanuel. <clears throat> Galatians two twenty. I am crucified with Christ. Yes, I knew that old Dennis. <laughs> I'm glad he's dead. I am crucified with Christ, but, but nevertheless, I, I live. Yet not, not me, not I, but Christ lives in me. I want you to say this after, after me. I am crucified with Christ. Crucified. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I live. I live. Yet, not I, Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. That was, that, was, that was really inadequate. That was really inadequate. That's the whole point of his message. Come on, folks. But Christ lives in me. Come on, repeat it, repeat it. Christ. Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. For me. What's the significance? What difference does it make that Christ is in us? We get to live out Christ's life. <clears throat> we get to live, there's a variety of ways that we can say it. All have different nuances here. We get to live a victorious life. We do not need to have sin as our master <clears throat> we can say no when he comes to us and says i said jump you're supposed to say how high and i can say i'm not saying how high i'm saying goodbye I don't have to listen to you. We don't have, Jesus. the resurrected Jesus did not need, does not need to surrender to the plans of the evil one at all, and neither do you because Christ is in you. We get to live a victorious life. We get to live a significant life. We get to live a life that makes a difference. Does the life of Christ make any difference in this world today? Absolutely, yes, and therefore our life can be significant because it's not i it's not me living it's Christ who lives in me and through me to impact people around me that all flows out of Christ in me <clears throat> get to live a victorious life get to live a significant life we get to live a christian life we get to live we get to be The hands, the feet, the heart, the mouth, the smile, the eyes of the Savior. We get, if he is in us, we don't have to pretend to reflect him. We just get to do it because he's in there. We We just get to let him out. Let him live his life through us. Emmanuel is a wonderful truth. But there is something more than... That's your cue. There's something more than... <clears throat> Tell him to say Emmanuel, okay? Emmanuel? Yeah, yeah. When, I, when I get to that point, you're going to say Emmanuel real loud. There is something more than... Emmanuel. Yeah, there is. There's something far more, far better than, far more significant than just simply God with us. There is God in us. God bless you.